you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? Pray you are doing well. My name is Mark. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us this morning. Is this thing on? It's on. Okay, good. Uh, thanks for coming and hanging out with us this morning. It's good to have you all with us. Uh, my name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. Um, we're, we're excited to be here. It's a good day to be in the house. Amen? A uh, couple quick things real fast. Thank you all to everyone who served last week to make the uh, Back to Church Sunday, the barbecue happen. Um, and uh, even though they're not here, can we all just give it up for the coffee that was here? Come on, that was worth showing up to church for. Um, real fast, uh, wanted to give you all an update. We, we received our uh, uh, special offering for Emmanuel. For those of you who don't know what Emmanuel is, you should come to church more. Um, Emmanuel is, is, uh, is, is, is what we're doing for Christmas this year. Um, this year, uh, we, we felt like the Lord put it on our hearts. This year, Christmas falls on a Sunday, and so we feel like uh, God has asked us, and he's proven that he has asked us by continuing to provide an open doors uh, to, to procure airtime on KHQ and broadcast a 30-minute gospel presentation uh, to the city of Spokane on Christmas Day in their homes. And despite the lackluster response, we're excited about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, all in with all of this, we, we presented to you guys a, a little over a month ago uh, that uh, we estimated the cost coming in at probably around $50,000 just to procure it and to uh, promote it and to get it and to produce it. Um, and so we let you guys know that. Uh, we shared last week uh, that miraculously uh, uh, that need was met actually the very day that we brought the need to the church. Uh, somebody, somebody just came up and said, we want to we take care of that. They were able to uh, give that 50000 We still wanted to give you all an opportunity. Uh, we didn't want, how I put it last week was this, we didn't want somebody else's obedience to rob you of your chance to be obedient. Amen? So, um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to be able to announce all in, all total, with the special gift that was given and your all's generosity, uh, we were able to raise $63,149.53. Um Thus far, if you, if you want to continue to give, the, the ability through the app is still open. It's still, you still have the ability to do that. Um, we, we mentioned that that was just to produce and promote and procure, and procure the airtime. Uh, there's a lot more we want to be able to do. We want to be able to serve those that make their needs known to us as that broadcast goes out. Um, I think I've shared this. Maybe I haven't. We've, we are partnering with uh, several churches in our uh, state, in, in Idaho and Montana, because this broadcast is going to reach beyond Spokane. And those people need a home church too, amen? Uh, and, and despite the fact that I'm going to be on TV, I am not a TV preacher. Um, so people need to find a local church, amen, and get plugged into that local church. So uh, we're reaching out to some of our friends in some of these cities that we know it's going to be broadcast to. We want to be able to resource those churches to be able to help as well. So anything you want to do, uh, if the Lord puts it on your heart, just be obedient. That's what I've asked you to do, amen? amen. Just, just be obedient. That's it. Uh, this is something above and beyond the normal giving um, that we're asking, but just... Pray, seek the Lord, whatever he's asked you to do, do it. Also, real quick update. Um, 
we were able to uh, record the worship portion. There's going to be a worship portion of this. And so uh, we are able to, I want, I want to give it up to the towels. Can you guys just, just give it up to the um, It was funny when the, when the Lord gave me this, this, this burden for this, this vision for this, I literally saw it being recorded at Towel House. And I was like, they're not going to say yes. That's ridiculous. And not only did they say yes, but they, they, they literally, that's their living room. They cleared out all their furniture. They cleared out everything. They made space. They, they let us essentially take over their house for a week. Uh, and uh, just to add insult to injury, we brought the flu in with us too. So uh, their whole house got sick afterwards. Um, and it's just been fun. And God is good. Amen? Uh, but, but that was the team being able to be there. Thanks for everybody who was able to show up and be a part of that. Um, if you're offended that you weren't asked to be there, um, just pray and the Lord will heal you. Amen? Let's go ahead and jump in. We got a lot to cover this morning uh, in the Word. We love the Bible. Amen? Uh, we're in a series. You can probably figure it out through the video if you're new. Uh, through the Gospel of John, we've been making our way through this, this, this book. And we are currently in chapter 16, uh, making our way through. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, or if you have a Bible on your phone, let's go to John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. We're going to read again today. And um, before we get to that specific passage, I want to read a few other verses to us just to kind of get them in our hearing to kind of frame out what we're going to talk about today. So let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. And then let's, uh, let's read these verses together this morning. Um, actually, no, I'm just going to read them to you because I want you to hear them. And I don't want your neighbor distracting you. You know your neighbor, the distracting one. Um, let's, let's just hear these. Let's understand what's going on here. So this is uh, John chapter 3, verses 8. Jesus speaking. He says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, you are not your own. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Now let's go to John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. Jesus speaking here exclusively to his disciples. He's having this private discourse, this private dialogue as they're kind of making their way from uh, in, in, into this, uh, this, this private little meeting they have. Jesus says this, nevertheless, I tell you, I'm starting the wrong verse, aren't I? I was just checking to see if you guys are paying attention. I'm good at my job. Verse five, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Let's pray together this morning, church. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, we declare that this is your word to us. And we rejoice in thanksgiving toward your goodness in speaking to us, in giving us your word, in delivering to us, God, a record, Lord, a, 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 a collection, as it were, a letter 
that we can read, that we can, that we can study, yes, but more importantly, Lord, that in the midst of we can learn to hear the sweet sound of your whisper. So God, that's what we ask for today, that in the midst of your word, we would hear your whisper. That as we hear that whisper, as we hear that, that, that breathing of you in the midst of your word, that that word would go deep within the fiber of our beings, that it, would, that it would undo that which needs to be undone, it would build up that which needs to be built up. God, that we would leave this place being active participants in what it is your word declares to be truth. That we would be doers of your word, not just hearers. But far be it from us to be just a gathering of religious folk that just get together to read a sacred text and then ignore it. Lord, let it transform us. Let it change us. Let it it renew our minds. Let it wash our souls that you might be glorified and the world might be filled with your image and know the good that comes from walking and knowing with you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Come on, everybody said? Awesome. Greet your neighbor real fast and grab a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, If you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, I'm going to go ahead and talk to you uh, under the title, under the heading, uh, Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Signed, sealed, delivered. How to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. We, we've, been, we've been in this for a little bit. We've sort of made our way into John chapter 16 where Jesus begins to speak of Holy Spirit and, and our understanding of him. And I just wanna, I wanna be transparent with you this morning. As your pastor, if, if I'm your pastor, if, I'm, if you call this your church, you, whether you're a member here, you just say, no, no, this is, this is my church. If I'm your pastor, I just wanna, I wanna be upfront with you. Maybe you're here trying to figure out this whole church Jesus sozo thing and uh, you're curious about it. So I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna just be transparent with you if I can. It is, it is my goal to increase our awareness of the utter necessity of our intimacy with Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's my goal. I, I don't, I'm not trying to like bait and switch you. I'm not trying to like trick you into this. I'm not trying to like to, to just sort of sneak up on you with it. I, I'm being upfront to say it's my goal that we as a church would increase in our awareness of the absolute necessity that all of us as the people of God have to be intimate with Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Like, like, like not just, we're just not, I don't want to be a charismatic church on Sundays. I want to be a charismatic church on Tuesdays. Right, because Tuesday is like the day no church does anything. Right, like Wednesday night, like oh, that's a church night, right? Maybe if you're like a youth. No, I'm talking like 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 Tuesday morning when you wake up. I want you aware of the need that you have for for personal awareness and intimacy with God, Holy Spirit, in your life. I know for some of you, I know for some of you, this is a new kind of idea and maybe it's uncomfortable and maybe you've had weird experiences and so for your sake, I wanna walk slowly into this. I know for some of you, 
maybe you, you've, you've proudly worn the label Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled, weirdo. I don't know, whatever label that you had, right? For you, I, I wanna warn you that, that I believe as we explore this, please hear my heart in this, as we explore this, there may be an uncovering in you of a, of a sort of religious attitude that you carry in this area that you may be unaware of. Um, if I'm just gonna be, since we're being honest, right, which I'm normally not, um, normally accused of being very quiet and subdued and unoffensive, you know. Um, y'all are laughing at me. That's mean. Um, actually, some of the other day come up to me and go, hey, I had my friend watch you online. I was like, awesome. He goes, yeah, he said you're a jerk. It's like, thanks. He goes, yeah, I just felt like you needed to know that. It's like, no, I already do. Thanks. I already was fully aware of that diagnosis. Um, Here, here's the reality. Here's, 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 here's what I'm trying to say. The, the truth in my experience, there's a, there's a modern statement, isn't it? The truth in my experience uh, is that, 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 that charismatic people, Pentecostal people, maybe some of the most religious people I've ever met in my life. Like we, ju- we just baptize it in, in acting weird, right? We just, she, we just name Japanese car manufacturers when we pray and then pretend like we're still not, you know, just in, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's like when, when, we, when, we, when, we, when you need to speak in tongues and they won't do it, we just told them to Suzuki, Honda, Nissan, Toyota. You just, that's tongues, there you go. Just shoulda bought a Honda, she tied my bow tie, and you just move on. Um, there can be this idea of, of this self-effort, self-discipline, make it happen yourself sort of attitude hiding inside of the, 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 the supposed spirit-filled sort of attitude or perspective or theological persuasion. I want you to know that, that I'm here to try to help us uncover those things. And I know for, 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 for some of you, you may have lots of questions about all this stuff. That's okay, that's good. Regardless, whether you sort of come from a background about this or this is all new to you, you, you may have some, 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 some questions regarding this. Here's my number one response to that. Find community and get into it. You don't have to have these questions on your own. Find, find a belong group. Now, in that, with that being said, if you're a member here, this is, side, this is all for free, by the way. This is in the notes. If you're a member here, uh, I just want to let you know, we are in desperate need for belongers. We have more people wanting to get into official kind of belong groups, which is what we call like our small groups or our, our like community groups or cell groups or whatever church name. They can, we just call them belong groups because you have to call them something. So group groups was already taken. So um, we, we, desperately need, we, we desperately need more belongers. We have more people asking us, hey, I want to get plugged into them. And the ones that we have, the leaders are going like, I can't have like a small church in my house once a week. Can you please find somebody to take some of these? They, they, they give us lists of you, the problem ones. Can you find people? To, some, no, I'm kidding. Um, if you're, we, we, do, we do ask that only members host belong groups, but if you're not a member, but that you want to make this your church, we have a belong group or belong class, which is our membership class coming up. You can find out about that. Um, but, but literally, this is not something you should do on your own. Something we're called to do together, Amen. What I'm trying to say ultimately is this, that, that we've got to recognize that, that mutual indwelling is the life of the sons of God. We, right, we, as, we've, as we've walked through John, we were in John 15, we sort of have grasped the understanding, we've explored uh, a little bit, we've kind of got our bearings under the idea that we must abide in Christ. 
right? We have to, we have to rest and remain and receive from Jesus, amen? My hope is that you've seen as we've explored that, that Jesus does not have your provision, but rather he is your providence, Right, as a, as a vine is to a branch. A vine doesn't have what a branch needs. A vine is what a branch needs. You, you need Jesus. Jesus is the, the, the divine provision, the providence for you. And so we've, we've grasped that, like I need to abide in him. We've even explored the reality that you are the beloved of the Father, that your relationship with the Father ought to be one of, of intimate affection and, and like a father, like a dad to their children. But now Jesus is moving us through this Trinitarian journey to recognize our need to not only abide in him, but listen to me, not only to abide in God, but to allow God to abide within us. That's, I'm just being real, that's a whole other level. That, that's a whole other thing. If you are a son of God, you have a relationship with Holy Spirit. It might be a bad one, Come on, it, you, you might not have a good relationship with Holy Spirit, but you have one. And this is, this is something I said last week. I said we were going to explore more this week. We're going to. All Christians teach that the Holy Spirit is active today. There's this idea, especially amongst uh, you know, charismatic spirit for people, like we somehow own the right to say Holy Spirit is active today. But I get to meet with the weirdest group of pastors I've ever met with. Uh, we, meet, uh, we meet about once a month, and it's a very, very diverse group of pastors from all sorts of different denominations, backgrounds, persuasions. Uh, we probably, listen, listen, when, we, when, you, when you make a list of things, this group of pastors probably disagrees on more than we agree upon. But the things we agree upon are the things that are the important things, amen? Jesus, the scriptures, who is God, what is the gospel, how are we saved, these are all things we all agree on. But, but like, like <laughs> we, we were talking about it, and... Uh, and I was talking to one of them, and I'm not going to say what denomination they were part of, but we were, they were just asking what our services were like. So I told him what our services were like. I asked him what his services were like. And he looked at me and kind of was looking around. I said, what? He goes, ah, uh, uh, nothing. I said, no, no, what? what? He goes, I really don't want to go to your church. <laughs> I said, good, I really don't want to go to yours. And we laughed, and, and it was great. Because um, it, just, it, just it, it just seems weird. I said, okay, yours seems boring. Um, and then we, we laughed less. Um, but, but I actually got a chance to kind of have this discussion with them. I said, hey, I, I, I want to say this to my church, but I want to ask. I've got a pretty good, a pretty good uh, you know, sort of a pie slice of the church. Some pastors here, guys that most of these guys in this, in this, uh, this group have more uh, uh, post-high school education in their denomination than I have total education. And so I said, you guys seem like smart. You, said, you know your, your, your denomination, your perspective, your tribe's position. I said, here's the statement I want to make to our church. All Christians teach that Holy Spirit is active today. Do you agree with that? And all, without hesitation, without any, any, any need to put an asterisk, I said, absolutely yes, of course he is. He's God. So we need to understand, as we sort of start moving into this uh, uh, idea of needing to have an awareness of Holy Spirit in our life, this is not what makes us spirit-filled. This does not make us ca the, uh, charismatic. This makes us Christians. So if you're here and you're like, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm not, I don't know that I'm ready to sort of like dive into being like a, uh, you know, like kind of guy. No, 
You have to have a relationship with Holy Spirit if you are to be a Christian. This is not a, a fringe belief. It's not exclusive to Pentecostal family tree. Come on. It just means we're Christians. If you look at any church's website that has like a what we believe, they'll have something about the Holy Spirit on their website. Uh, just in this little group I was a part of, the, 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 the kind of uh, consensus that we came to was this, that by at least we all agree on this. The reform guy brought this up, we all agreed with it. He said, we, we know that, that the Holy Spirit is essential in bringing conviction and producing conversion. Like all Christians agree, agree to that, at least, at least all the giant group of weird Christians that was at this meeting. Um, I love this perspective that my Lutheran brother brought. He said, we really teach and we emphasize that the Holy Spirit is actively present in the preaching of the word and the partaking in communion to make those things, he said, supernatural. Yes and amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can say yes and amen to all that. My, my Pentecostal friend who was there, he, he, was, he, he teaches that there's, there needs to be a specific experience to receive or to activate or to mobilize spiritual gift in my life. I would encourage that experience as well. We all acknowledge that he is active today because he is God. Trinitarianism, the belief in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one God is essential to orthodox biblical Christianity. We, you know, we, we talk a lot about Jesus. We say, like, you know, like we say Jesus is better than everything here. We talk about it's all about, right? But that does not diminishing the necessity or our understanding of robust Trinitarian theology, amen? We're gonna get into this more next week. Uh, not next week, Sudarshan's gonna be here and I'm not gonna make him teach you on the Trinity. Um, next time we're together, uh, we're going to look into this more, but but let me just let me just end this little section with this. Part of where our as a church perspective, and I'll say mine specifically, understanding of the way that the Holy Spirit moves today, is founded completely and solely in this. If He does it in here, I believe He still does it today. Because, because two, two reasons I'll give you from the scriptures. One, the Bible tells us that God does not alter, change, or shift. So I figure if he does it there, then he's gonna keep doing it today because he does everything out of, the, out of the overflow of his nature. God didn't heal because we were in need of healing. God heals because he's a healer. Secondly, and this is a little bit more, not chapter verse, it's an entire book. The book of Acts. One day I hope to teach you that, but uh, uh, we might never get out of John. Um, the book of Acts is, is really the, I've heard it called this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it this, but I, I, like, I like, kind of like the name. I've heard it called, you know, if, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels of Jesus, Acts can kind of be thought of as the gospel of the church. It's the story of the birthing of the church. It's the only book that we have in the Bible that describes in story form the actions, attitudes, behaviors, the movement of the church. Now we have letters, the, all, the, all the letters that are written to, 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 to towns, to cities, Romans, to you know, first and second Corinthians, all the ones with, with guys' names on first second, first second Peter, first second third John, all of those are written to churches, but they don't describe what church life is like. You can kind of infer it through them, but Acts just blatantly, openly says, this is what Christians do, this is, how they, this is how the church got started, this is how Christians together worked and functioned at the beginning, and if you delete, listen to me, if you delete the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts, you don't have a book anymore. So why is it God would give us the only description of what the church is like, fill it with the Holy Spirit, and then go, yeah, 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 but you don't need to worry about that. 
No, I believe he's active, he's moving today, amen? So then the question I have for us is how are we to relate to Holy Spirit? And somebody pointed this out to me last week and they said that made him uncomfortable and so I just need to, just need to clarify. They said, you, you keep saying Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Like there's, you need to be clear that there's only one. I hear you. Here's why I don't use the. Because when, I, when, when you hear the Holy Spirit, he becomes an impersonal force. His name, listen to me, is Holy Spirit. I'm glad that you don't come up to me and go, hi, the Mark Blair. If you do, we're not friends. We, we need to understand this. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help us shift in our thinking, shift in our understanding, so that we can grasp it, that the Holy Spirit is God. So if it bothers you that the V's not there, in your own little notes, you can write it, and I won't ever come and check. Okay? So how do we relate to the Holy Spirit? How do, we, how do we have a relationship with Holy Spirit? How is God sent to us as God designed to be our, uh, the, the one that we relate to? How does, how does Jesus, sending us Holy Spirit, fulfill God's desire to be in relationship with us? How do we have this interaction and relationship? How are we to understand the, the, the interaction that we are to have with God, Holy Spirit? Are these questions that you have? Because they're questions I have. And I think Jesus kind of reveals to us in, in some of the way that he speaks the reality of how we're supposed to understand this. And the first is this, Holy Spirit is to be received, not achieved. Really, this, this, is, this is the entire message this morning. Holy Spirit is to be received, not achieved. Jesus doesn't say, listen, listen, you guys need the helper, which is, we, we talked about last week, right? Universally understood within Christianity, Jesus is speaking of Holy Spirit here. Jesus doesn't say, you guys need Holy Spirit. You guys need the helper, so here's the list of stuff I need you to accomplish in order to, to, to somehow achieve enough for you to have Holy Spirit in your life. That, that's not what he says at all. That's not what he does at all. He says, no, I'm going to send him to you, but first, he says, I have to leave. I have to leave. I have to leave so he can be received. So, so that begs the question then, why does Jesus need to leave for Holy Spirit to be received? Like, why does he have to leave? I, 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 I remember asking a, a mentor in my life once this, and they gave an answer that seems really deep, but when you scratch the surface, not so much. And here's what he said. He goes, well, God is three, right? Three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If Jesus and the Holy Spirit were on earth, then more of God would be on earth than in heaven, and that just can't be. I was like, that's really deep. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, that's really dumb. Because, because we know that Holy Spirit was with Jesus, so he was there then, so wait, that, that can't be what's going on. That can't be why Jesus has to leave. Why is it that Jesus says there's, there's this requirement? I have to go be back with the Father and then send Holy Spirit to you. Why is it that there is this requirement? Why does Jesus have to leave? Well, the, 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 the way to find this answer is to understand this. What is it that Jesus was going to do as he left? 
Or maybe say it this way, how did Jesus leave? How did Jesus return to the Father? How did the Son return to the Father? By what means and what did he do as he returns to the Father? What I wanna propose to you is this, by, by, by Jesus, by, by this passion that Jesus has, Jesus leaves through his passion and ascension. Right? Through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, and through his ascension, he returns to the Father. We all in agreement on this? Okay, and what I need us to understand is by this, by his passion and by his ascension, Jesus destroys our deception, our delusion, and our depravity. Track with me, track with me, track with me. He says, I've got to leave in order for you to receive Holy Spirit. Why? Why do you have to leave? Because I'm going to accomplish something on your behalf that's going to equip and enable you to receive Holy Spirit into your life. He's going to do this. Deception, delusion, depravity. All of these are destroyed by Jesus. Deceptions are the result of the lies that we believe told to us by others. Delusions are the, the, are the result of the lies that we believe told to us by ourselves. Come on, somebody. This would be the act of embracing that which is contrary to the truth. When we choose to hold to things that are not grounded in the truth of who God is, who he says we are, and how he has designed his creation, we have embraced deception or delusion, or most of the time, both. This is to be filled with what is false, to be delusional. All of this are, are, are most often, I'm not gonna say always, but most often, lies masquerading, wrapped in truth. This is how deception sneaks in. This is, this is the story, this is the story, this is, okay, all Bible thumpers. This is the account in Genesis. This is the picture that God's trying to give us there. Whether you want to hold to a literal understanding that it really happened or the picture doesn't really matter, but you've got to understand the meaning behind it, amen? The idea in the garden was this, that Satan comes with deception and we embrace delusion about who God is and how he says the world works and who he says we are. We embrace these things. Deception and delusion wrap a lie in truth to snare us into a trap. Here's what it looks like. God has good, that's truth, right? Anybody want to argue with me on that one? God has good, but he's withholding it from you. See, he, it takes a truth and wraps up the lie, and then once you, once you grab a hold of that, you're trapped, because now, if God has good, but he withholds it from you, God himself cannot be good. Because he's withholding good from you, therefore he cannot be a good God. The goal is thus not to get you to, to do sin for behavior, but to believe lies that the behaviors will ultimately be a byproduct of. See, see I, I, I've got people questioning me on this when I say Jesus delivers, up, delivers us from deception and delusion. They get mad at me because they go, no, 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 he delivers us from our sin. Amen. Calm down, cowboy. Where does sin come from? Deception and delusion. It's grounded in the belief that God withholds good from us, or, or as I like to say, that he hides good in what he says is bad. 
If there's sinful behavior in your life, it is because there are erroneous beliefs in your internal world leading you to behave that way. If I deal with the beliefs, the behaviors take care of themselves. You believe there is good in what God in his word tells you is bad. Let me say it another way. God in his love tells you is bad. But we believe, no, 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 I think there's something good here. Even if it's just for a moment, even if it's just a piece of us, even if we think there's just a little bit of good there, there's a little, what, what does that look like? Well, if I, if I lie to this person, they'll like me more. If, if, I, if I just don't kind of share the truth of what happened, but I sort of spin it in a way that puts a little bit better light on me, then I'll be liked more and that'll be good but you won't be known more. They'll only know the mask that you just put on. So it's a lie altogether. Well, well, well I need sexual gratification, so I'm gonna look at images on the internet. Are we not allowed to go there? Are we not allowed to talk about that? People are like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. But there is no actual, and you can look at every study you want, there is no actual sexual gratification in that at all. Well, I need, I, need to, I need to calm down at the end of a long, hard day, so I'm just going to throw back you know, some, some, a couple beers, just going to relax. I need that in order to relax. There's good for me. No, there's not. I'm not saying you can't drink a little bit, but, I'm, but, but the, the need or the drive to, to be high or to be drunk is a lie that says there's good hiding in that thing. If you understood what it was, listen to me, there'd be no need to go back to that. This is, why, this is why Proverbs literally describes a repeated sin pattern in our life as a dog returning to its vomit. You ingested it, it made you sick, you tried to expel it, come on, you repented, you cried, I'm never gonna do it again, I'm never gonna do it again. You know, that kind of looks good. This is what sinful patterns in our life is like. The goal then is not, is not, the enemy's goal in your life is not to get you to behaviors, it's to get to your beliefs. It's to get you to believe that God is anything other than always and only good. It's to get you to believe that he is not, he is not your providence. But there's other stuff out there that you need. So when deception and delusion have taken up residence within us, the result is our soul's Depravity. Now let me try to explain my understanding of depravity to you. Depravity is the state of one who, by deception and delusion, is controlled by sinful beliefs and corrupted by sinful behavior. So please hear me. When I talk about the deception and delusion piece, I am not trying to diminish in any way, shape, or form the severity or the, 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 the price that is paid in our lives and ultimately eternally when we give ourselves to sinful behaviors and beliefs. Not, I'm not diminishing that at all. I, I'm saying that, listen, for years in religion, we went after behaviors and it didn't make us any better. And, okay, and for those of us that maybe it helped a little, Jesus says it made us twice the sinner we used to be. Because what happens? We get prideful about, well, I'm doing better. The internet filter worked on my phone. I don't know why it didn't work on yours. Pastors love to do this, man. We, we, we love to come up with methods because methods can be turned into books. And books make us money. Am I not allowed to talk about pastor problems? I'm sorry. We'll go back. We'll get 
But the reality is this, what needs to happen, what Jesus came to do, right, is to deliver us from this, this delusional deception. He came to say, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not okay with you guys being stuck in this cycle. So I'm gonna come and destroy all of the deception, deliver you from all of the delusion by proving to you that I am so much better than you ever thought I could possibly be. God himself puts down the glory that is rightfully his and is born as a baby. He is born into poverty. At best, he is born into hardcore working class. He then has to run away from his own country so that he's not murdered by his own government. Right? Runs off to Egypt. Becomes a refugee. Not getting political, just saying that's who Jesus was. And then he, he comes back, right? He comes, he comes running back, he comes, comes back in. And what does he do? He just demonstrates the goodness of God everywhere he goes. Through teaching, through miracles, through loving, through simply being a friend, the scripture says, to sinners. Well, pastor, I was told that God cannot look upon sin. You were because somebody quoted you a Bible verse without explaining it to you. What that verse says is God cannot look. That word look, it means to look with favor. Like, 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 like have you ever had a friend do something so stupid that you're like, dude, I can't even look at you right now? You don't mean that you lack the physical capacity to look at them. It's like your eyes just like bounce over them whenever you see them. What do you mean? You mean I can't, I can't even like give you my attention because your stupid has reached that high of a level. Like, I, like, no. Like, just not right now. Come back later. What God's saying in his goodness, he goes, look, when you're stuck, please hear this, please hear this. I don't want to get any more emails about this. I want to just be able to say, go listen to that message. God in his goodness will not bless us when we are stuck in deception and delusion. That's a good God. I'm really glad that God did not bless me when I was still stuck in those things, lest I think that that's where he wanted me. So in his goodness he comes and he demolishes all of this. He breaks down all of this deception and delusion by taking upon himself our deception and our delusion. The Bible says he became sin for us. He became that deception. He became that delusion. He became that, de that, 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 that depravity. He took it upon himself upon the cross. I've shared this with you before. I'm not gonna go through all this. We're gonna, we're gonna get to it when we get to it in John, but just preview. Recognize this. Jesus says in just a few verses, he says, look, y'all are all going to abandon me but my father will never abandon me. And then while hanging on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Two things you need to point out with that. You need to understand, you need to see real fast. I need to point out, you need to see. First, it's the only place in all of the Bible, in all of the gospels, where Jesus refers to his heavenly father as God. So he's, he's cut himself off from what we, what we call around here the Abba awareness. 
And he has so embraced, come on, the deception and delusion that we live under outside of him that he's saying, God, you've forsaken me. All the while, the Bible also tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So don't tell me that the father looked away from the son upon the cross. He was in Christ, come on, reconciling the world. What was happening then? Jesus took upon himself the delusion that I was born under, that God has forsaken me. And by, by taking that upon himself, by going to the grave, by raise, rising it, by ascending to the Father, Jesus has destroyed the delusion that God is distant, disinterested, and, and, and just an angry God. He, he's, he's not distant. He's not disinterested. He's not. He's not. He's not. He is Abba, and he is your Abba. And he's done everything necessary to deliver us from, from demonic oppression of deception and from our own stupidity in delusion. Amen? Can, 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 can I, is that good news? I, I know, I know it's, it's kind of complex, but I think we, we've got to grab a hold of this. And this is why we've got, to, we've got to change, come on, the way that we think, not just up here, we've talked about this, but down here. I was, I was doing a little research into this this week just because anybody else fall down internet rabbit holes? Where you're like, you read something, you're like, really? And so you just like, and you learn all kinds of stuff that you're like, that was awesome. I'm never going to use that. The current estimate, this, this intrigued me. The current estimate is that 90 to 98% of all human behavior is rooted in things that you are completely unaware of in the way that you think. Isn't that just like life-affirming? Like you, you did something stupid and you're like, oh, that was really, really dumb. And science just came and said, yeah, because 90% of you is that dumb. You're like, no, it's just a one time. Nope, 90 to 98% of your thinking is that stupid. I'm pretty sure I'm on the 98% side in my own life, right? So much of what controls our life is, is what, what, what they call subconscious. I think it's, it's, it's really lower consciousness because I, I don't think it's like subordinate to it at all. I think it controls far more of us than we think it does. Again, science currently says somewhere between 90 and 98% of us. Your brain is doing things all the time. And so we have to saturate. This is why I think part of why the Lord has us just slowing down through these portions of text. To say, hey, we, we, got, we got to this deception and delusion thing by soaking in these lies for a long time. And we think that we can somehow just hear it one time, okay, we're good, let's move on to something else. And I think we've got to, we've got to saturate in it long enough that things begin to shift and change and are altered until, listen, 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 until your beliefs change what you know about your being and your being changes what you do. Right? Beliefs being behavior. That's the pattern. Till I believe that God is so good that I believe that he could not lie. And when he says, I'm beloved, I believe it. When he says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I believe it. Not because I have evidence in my own life. I don't need it. He said it, and he's just too stinking good to ever lie to me. So if that's who he says I am, that's who I am. That becomes my being. And now sinful patterns of behavior literally become something I have to strive toward in order to do. Because my being is just not, that's not who I am. 
That's not, that, that's so foreign to my identity. So when this happens, when Jesus delivers us from this, we need to understand that our receiving requires Jesus leaving for he takes upon himself our sin. So he qualifies us. He qualifies us to receive Holy Spirit. This is why I said Holy Spirit has to be received, not achieved. Are you tracking with me? As long as you think he's somebody, something you have to like, I've got to earn this. No, no, no. Jesus takes all of that upon himself. He cleanses us completely from all that. He utterly sets us free so that we are capable of receiving Holy Spirit into our lives. God is that good. Now, because of what Christ has done, we are willing and able to become temples, come on, like we read earlier, of Holy Spirit. Jesus promised to send Holy Spirit upon his return to Abba. Real fast, don't have time to get into this too much. Just for your own, for your own study, I wanna encourage you. Jesus says, I go to be with the Father. He says, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Those words, same words. So that means we can understand that the same way, listen, 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 scandalous opinion here, you do the research yourself. The same way that Jesus is with Abba, Holy Spirit wants to be with you. That's the level of intimacy that he's after with us. Jesus says, look, I'm gonna go be with the Father, Holy Spirit's gonna come be with you. Same, same. So once we, once we have received Holy Spirit, we want to be sensitive to his abiding presence, what I call proximity, amen? For years, we, we said around here, your problem is not your problem, your proximity is your problem. So I say, how are we supposed to relate? First, we gotta understand he's received, not achieved. When it comes to proximity, I want us to understand this, Holy Spirit is to be honored, not earned. See, we, sometimes we think this, well, well, I receive him as a gift, but now, now I need to somehow earn or merit his closeness with me. Right, like we got married and, 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 and that, was, that was free, but now that we're married, I better do all the things right or else he's not gonna want anything to do with me. I know none of y'all have ever struggled with that. It's just me. If I was half as righteous as y'all pretend to be. <laughs> Right, there can be, this, there can be this, this thing that sneaks in where we mistake honoring proximity, listen, for earning proximity. I'm not telling us there's not a need for us to honor his presence with us. But I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I, read, I read part of this to you uh, in the beginning, but I think it would be helpful if we read all of it. This is Galatians chapter three. Uh, we read verse three, but I wanna read you one through three. This is, this is Paul writing to a church who's fallen back into religious duty. They'd, become, they'd literally fallen back into keeping the, the, the religious mosaic law, the Jewish law. And so Paul writes to them, and, and here's the deal. It's, it's a little bit blunt in English. I'm telling you, in Greek, it's like downright mean. Like he, like, like y'all should email Paul about this. <laughs> he says, oh foolish Galatians. Literally, like one, one translator called, says like, y'all have gone crazy. I was told that we're not allowed to use the word crazy anymore. It's offensive to crazy people. So I'm not gonna use crazy. I'm just gonna say you're foolish. 
Say, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. In other words, he took your deception and delusion upon himself. I've already shown you this. It's before he was publicly, publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Not the word he used, but I'm not going to say it because we don't say that word in my house. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? I think, I think that verse needs to be tattooed on the forehead of every charismatic person in America. The whole thing, not just the reference, the whole thing. Backwards, so they can read it in the mirror. See, see, we, we've got to understand that our, our behavior does not earn us intimacy with Holy Spirit. See, the problem is that this is the way too many of our human relationships are, right? Well, if I'm nice and if I do what you like, then you'll owe me something and then I'll, I'll, I'll have closeness or intimacy with you. But, but listen, listen, when we say Holy Spirit is holy, we've learned this, right? That means he's otherly. He's not like anybody else. Your relationship with God, Holy Spirit, is not like your relationship with anybody. There's no earning or meriting needing to take place there. He simply wants to be with you. How do we honor someone's presence? How do you honor proximity to the Holy Spirit? How do we honor that? The same way you honor anybody else. Jot these down. I'm not going to unpack them. I don't have time. You acknowledge their presence. Did anybody, anybody else have parents that, gentlemen, any other dudes in the room, some of y'all, this is going to seem like, like the most backwoods thing you've ever heard in your life. Anybody else's parents teach you to stand up when a woman walked in the room? Like, like you, you, you stood up, you acknowledge somebody when they come in the room. How do we, how do we honor? How do we honor? Not earn, how do we honor? We, we acknowledge him. Come on, he's promised to never leave you or forsake you. When was the last time you acknowledged that abiding presence in your life? Just, just acknowledge. I'm not talking like you got to make a big deal about it. Like, like how do you feel when you show up, like you show up a little late to a party or you show up to work a little bit, like other people are there and you walk up and like nobody acknowledges that you're there. Right, it's pretty miserable. But, how, but on the flip side, how do you feel when you walk in the room and say, hey, how you doing? I've shared this story, I think, with you before. The, there was... There was a young man who started to come to our youth ministry. My wife and I were youth pastors for 12 years. Pray for us. Um, we were youth pastors for 12 years. And, and there was a young man who started to come to our youth ministry. And, and we did this like really big outreach event where we would like take over a park in our, in our town. And, and uh, we, actually, this is fun. We did open Q&A. We called it Stump a Pastor. And we literally just let people ask any question they wanted. And I was a dumb enough youth pastor to think, yeah, I can do that. And thankfully, Holy Spirit just was there, and there was grace. But I gave some really dumb answers to some really good questions. Um, and, and, and it took a lot of work and everything. And, and this one young man, he just started coming to our youth ministry a few weeks earlier. And his, his, uh, his family had been a part of our church for a long time, but he just didn't want to be in the youth ministry. And, and we were packing up and leaving, and I was hot, and I was tired, and my brain was shot. And, and I just sort of, like, I saw him, and he was kind of standing there. And I, I, all I did is I just walked to him, and I said, like, hey, hey, man, it was really great that you were here today. And in, in all transparency, like, I didn't really mean it. I was just, honest. I was just tired. I was just trying to be like nice. 
I was like, hey man, I'm really glad you're here today. It was really great that you're here today. And to be honest with you, I would have, that, would have, that little piece of information would have utterly fallen out of my brain and I would not have remembered it if, if that Sunday something hadn't have happened. And that was that Sunday, I was up in our sound loft. We had, like a, we had a large church. We had a sound loft up and I was, I was up there and, and this young man's dad, who is a fairly large woodworker, comes up to, to the sound loft and goes, I need to talk to you. And he was kind of shaking. And like you see a dude that, he's taller than me, and he's big, and he's shaking. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I'm thinking of all of the stupid things I said at, on Wednesday night. I need to talk to you about, about, about Wednesday night. And I was like, oh, no. And he, he literally grabbed me by the arm and pulled me into a back room and pinned me up against the wall. And I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, I, like I really didn't, I, like I didn't hang out with his son, and I don't think any leaders really hung out with him. And I know I kind of said something at the end, but like I don't know, like that that was bad, and we should do better. I'm thinking of all these things that I'm going to defend myself with this man, and then I realize he's shaking because there are tears rolling down his eyes. And he goes, "You, you told my son that you were glad he was at church. He was glad he came to youth group." I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. No. I said, yeah, yes, because he believed it." I said, yeah? He goes, he never wanted to do anything. I, I had to force him to come to your youth ministry for the last several weeks, and he got in my truck. I said, Dad, Dad, they were happy I was there. Dad, I want to go every week because I just acknowledged him. What would happen if we just began, come on, to acknowledge Holy Spirit in our life? Just where, whenever you realize that you've been unaware of him, just, hey, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thanks for being here. I'm, I'm really glad you're here. We acknowledge, I said I wasn't going to unpack these. Acknowledge, <laughs> acknowledge his presence. Second, prioritize his presence. Third, prefer his preference. What does he like? What does he not like? I'm going to do whatever he likes. How do, you, how do you honor somebody? You prefer them. Right? Like, where do you want to go out to eat? What do you want? What do you want to do today? It's your day. I'm going to prefer you. How do we? That, that's how we grow in this preference sort of a thing. See, the deception of religion says if you behave, he will come to you, but redemption and reconciliation say you have him. Why are you seeking anything apart from him? I'm going to say that again. Religion, the deception of religion says if you behave, he'll come to you. But redemption and reconciliation say, you have him. Why are you, why would you, why are you seeking anything apart from him? You have him already. Why are you going and looking for stuff that you already have? Amen? Amen, amen. Last, last thing we need to understand about a relationship. He is to be waited on, not worked for. He's to be waited on, not worked for. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta clarify this because two statements. Working for, the whole, working for Holy Spirit, working for Holy Spirit. Those are two different statements. Let me, let me, see, if I can, let me see if I can figure this out. These, both these statements are true. You work for your paycheck, and you work for your family. What I'm saying is, as it relates to our work for the Holy Spirit, you do not work for the paycheck of the Holy Spirit. He's not your reward for work. Are you tracking with me? Do we work for him in the way that, that you go to work to support your family or you go to work for a business? Yes, we work for him, but we don't work 
to achieve or to, or to earn or to merit or to, to somehow make him owe us himself. He's to be waited on, not worked for. And this is the picture that I want us to get in our heads. Like a sail ship, like a, like, like, like a sailboat, we wait on the wind. Right? We, 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 put up, we put up the sails and we wait. But I think too many of us have fallen to this, especially, and I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help my charismatic brothers here and sisters. Too many of us think that the waiting is earning. Well, well if I just wait long enough, then, then once I prove that I really want him, once I prove that I really want him to move, then he'll start moving. But I have to prove that. I have to muster that. I have to accomplish that. I have to achieve that. My waiting has to do that. No, no, no. You're just putting up the sail. That's it. I'm just, I'm just waiting. If anything, all that should be happening in those moments is all of my self-effort is supposed to be dying. But religion can make waiting working. So let's sum all this up. Since the Holy Spirit is received, not achieved, then his proximity is to be honored, not earned. For he is not sent to those willing to work for him, but rather those willing to wait on him. How do we re- this is how we have to understand our relationship with him. You tracking with me? We, 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 we cannot allow, listen, okay, well, I've been abiding. Okay, I want Holy Spirit, so now I gotta go do all this stuff. I need, I, I, gotta, I gotta pray at least an hour every day. I have to beg him for power. I have to beg him for these things. I have to behave. I have, I have, to, I have to be holy so Holy Spirit can use me. You already are holy because he made you that way. That's not an excuse for you to keep doing stupid stuff. That's liberty so you don't have to do stupid stuff anymore. This is not who you are. The only reason that you continue to behave the way you behave is because it's what you believe you are. This is why, and I'll keep saying it, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to I, I, I have to nuance this a little bit. This is the limitation of any 12-step program because all it can do is teach you to modify your behavior. Now again, here's where I get nuanced. If it's helping you modify your behavior, we're happy about that for right now. Come on, anybody who's ever been in a relationship with an addict knows like, hey, if it's helping you not fall back into addiction, praise God, keep using it. But here's my admonition to you as a pastor. Don't stop there. There's more freedom than just that waiting for you. You don't have to get up and declare, I am an addict, I am an addict, I am an addict. No, you're in Christ, no, you're not, because the old has passed away. Behold, all things, come on, have become new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. You used to be one kind of critter, you're now a different kind of critter. I'm not denying that everybody in your family is an addict. I'm saying that once you were dead and buried and resurrected with Christ, your family history is no longer the primary influence on who you are today. Jesus is. I don't know how I got there, but it was worth it. So Holy Spirit is received, not achieved, Then his proximity is to be honored, not earned, for he is not sent to those willing to work for him, but rather those willing to wait for him. 
Why is it that I want us to be aware of our need for Holy Spirit? Because we are people of the wind. All we can do is put up our sails. Look, this church is good at some stuff, and, and nobody say amen. Nobody say amen. This church is not good at other stuff. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, I can make you a list. My list is longer than yours and has everything that yours has on it, so leave me alone. But if there's one thing that historically this church has been good at, it's being a people of the wind. We're just going to put up the sail and we're going to wait on him. If he doesn't move, we ain't going anywhere. If he does, if the wind doesn't blow, we are we are we are not going to grab the motor and crank it on. The fact is, we don't have a motor anyways. We are not going to grab the oars, come on, and just kind of make this thing move on our own energy. We're not interested in trying to capitalize on momentum. You want to know why I'm not interested in trying to capitalize on momentum? Because to, to, to understand momentum and to say we have to capitalize on it means something moved, but there's no power anymore, and we want to keep it moving. Now, I say we just get under the power of the wind and we don't got to worry about momentum. We just let him blow, amen? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to move into a response. Real fast, let me explain that. We respond... As we hear God speak, we believe it's right and good for us to respond. We respond primarily in three ways, celebration, contemplation, communion. Celebration, we're going to sing and rejoice in who God is. Amen? Next, contemplation. We're going to let what is being spoken today, let the truth that's being declared saturate our minds so that it can go from here down to here. We're not rushing to get through this. This isn't like the the head and home song. This is time for us to, to, to allow Holy Spirit to, to ruminate and to adjust that which needs to be adjusted within us. Shift our thinking. Here, here's, here's the picture that I had today of, of this, is that, that this is the time where, where God sort of disassembles parts of us and pulls out those things that have been added that were unnecessary, come on somebody, and reassembles them. Last is communion. We commune two ways. First is at the Lord's table. Remembering, remembering that which was accomplished for us that makes all of this possible. Amen? The broken body, the shed blood of Jesus. These tables are open to all who've put their faith in Jesus. If you're not a believer, we're not going to ask you to come up, pretend like you are, and take communion. You can just hang out in your seat. We take, as a, in, in the method known as antiquation, take a piece of bread or gluten-free wafers on the white tables, dip it in the juice, and partake. No one's going to come around to dismiss you. You can just make your way up. Once we move into our response, you're welcome to do that. The second way we commune is one with another. We believe that, that the life of following Jesus is not one we are called to do alone. You're not, you're, not, you're not built to do this by yourself. And one of the ways that we walk together is in prayer, where, where there are needs in our life, physical, spiritual, financial, emotional, relational, whatever other all. We're called to let one another know those things so that we can pray for one another. 
The Bible says that when we pray, things happen. And so we've got a team of people down over by the cross to my left that would love to stand and pray with you and believe God to move mightily in your life. This is one thing, listen, you don't have to be a believer for this. Here's, here's our firm belief, and, and Sozo, I need some backup. Jesus loves to do miracles for people who don't yet know him. I got a story to tell you about that later, but we'll, we'll move on. Today, I, I really feel strongly that, that there's a grace here to receive. This is, this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying. Holy Spirit saying there's a grace here today to receive the capacity to acknowledge his presence. He just wants to help you become aware of his ever-present abiding with you. That's what, just, just simply acknowledging his presence. Not just in this moment. Yes, in this moment. We absolutely need to do that in this moment. But come on, let's be real. It's easy. These guys make it easy to acknowledge Holy Spirit right now. But Tuesday morning, come on, we still need to acknowledge him because how many of us want to say yes and amen? He's just as much with you on Tuesday morning as he is right now. So if that's you this morning and you just, you just, need, a, you just need that grace to, to acknowledge his presence, I want you to just begin to receive that as we move into our response. I think this week is coming in, into the lives of some of us just an increased awareness, an increased, uh, literally, a physical sense of him being with us. Not because of what we can do, not because of what we have done, not because we earn it, or not because we behave all the right ways, but because he's just that good. So I'm gonna pray for us, and we're gonna respond. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. God, thank you that you are a God that does not leave us. You are a God that does not forsake us. You're a good God. And so right now, we, we make room for you in this place. We carve out some space. We carve out some time. And ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just come right now to make us aware of your presence. We, we say things like this, Lord, that you would come. But the reality is, you're already here. So God, would you, would you just open up our eyes to see your abiding presence. I even pray specifically for those here today that would desire it, Lord, that, that they would literally, even right now, physically feel your presence begin to rest upon them. And that as they go throughout this week, they, they, they would learn how to honor that presence, to acknowledge it, to prioritize it, to prefer it. That like the prophet said, they would, they would sense a hand on their shoulder and they would hear a voice from behind saying, this is the way, walk in it. In the big things and the little things, Lord. Holy Spirit, you would just come like a hand upon the shoulder, like a dove upon our heads. Like the weight of glory, you would rest. And every aspect of our life, big or little, spiritual or secular, practical or supernatural, whatever. We, we make those divisions, Lord. You don't. You want to be in every aspect of our life that we would begin to be directed by you, you Holy Spirit, the wind, that we would be a, a, a wind people because we are a wind people. We are sailors, not rowers.
I speak deliverance into the hearts of your people from rowing. I speak deliverance into the hearts of your people that think they have to row. I speak deliverance from a fear of not moving forward. There's a fear in some of your hearts that this is if I stop rowing and I put up the sail, may, may, maybe we won't go anywhere. And I've got to keep moving and I've got to keep doing and I've got to keep getting, I'm not far enough along. I'm not, I'm not going far. If I, if I just trust the Lord, I'm going to fall back into sin. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to slide side. No, no, no. Just, just, just put the, just, just put the oars down and lift the sail. And yeah, you might need to sit for a while. There might be some self-effort that has to die in you still. There might be some Ishmael that still needs to get dismissed from the camp. Some of you are afraid. You go, no, 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 no. If I put the sails up, I can feel the wind blowing. If I put the sails up, it's going to move so fast, and it's going to be scary, and I don't know if I can trust where he's going to take me. I, I want to be the one holding on and, and directing. Listen, he's good. He's good. He's good. Trust him. He might take you to a place you didn't know you wanted to go, but when you get there, it will fulfill everything you've ever desired. Holy Spirit, come and show us that we are people of the wind. We've got our sails up, Lord, and we'll wait on you because we know that you're good. We know that you're faithful. We know that you do not leave us. You don't forsake us. God, once again, I just speak deliverance from rowing. No more rowing. No more self-effort. No more striving. No more fear. Just sails up. Sails up. Waiting on you. Church, let's respond to the Lord.